May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is the moment that we have prayed for and prepared ourselves for all these many weeks. We have waited eagerly for the story of Mary Magdalene's discovery of the empty tomb, the foot race between the disciples to see who could get there first. We hear in the gospel this morning the details that offer the proof that this was not just a grave robbery, because we can see how the burial cloths are folded neatly and left in place. We feel the joy and anticipation as Mary encounters first the angels and then the gardener that we know is the risen Christ. It's a bit like re-watching your favorite movie, right? You go to it again and again and you may know the ending of it, but it's still exciting as you wait for the moment of Mary Magdalene to recognize that it is Jesus, her Lord and Savior, standing in front of her. And then you wait to hear her as she goes back to the disciples and begins that wonderful Easter proclamation of, I have seen the Lord. On this oh-so-happy morning, we celebrate Christ's resurrection. And our understanding of it as being the central part of our faith begins in these moments of the discovery of an empty tomb and Mary Magdalene's first proclamation to the disciples. We know that Easter's empty tomb is as much a part of our faith as Good Friday's cross. When I had a chance to travel to Israel a few years ago, knowing the importance of the empty tomb on the top of my list to visit was the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It's in the Christian quarter of the old city of Jerusalem, and tradition holds that this church marks not just the empty tomb, but also the place of Golgotha. So in, once we got to Jerusalem, I, together with the group that I was with, began to follow the way of the cross through the streets of Jerusalem. The old city is, the streets are kind of tight and they wind and they make turns when they don't make sense and, and you're in the middle of following the way of the cross and you turn a corner and you're greeted by a shop sign that says, Roll Tide, University of Alabama. But after all of those twists and turns, we finally make it to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And as you might imagine, the place that has the empty tomb and the cross is a popular stop for many Christian pilgrims to Jerusalem. And so in a very modern, contemporary fashion, the first thing you do upon getting to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is you get in line. It's not so much like as organized as like a Disney World or a Six Flags kind of line. They don't have the ropes that make you snake around, but you clearly get into a line. The first stop 
is the stone where it is believed that Christ's body was laid and he was anointed and wrapped and prepared for his burial. Then the line moves you a bit deeper into the church to this chapel where there's a large crucifix and gold lanterns and incense and the line slows down a little bit because each pilgrim has the chance to kneel down and reach their hand under the altar and put it into this dark hole where they can touch the very rock where they say that Christ was crucified. But then you get back up and continue moving with the line and you go past chapels that belong to all sorts of Christian traditions and you get to this large open room with this big dome and inside of it is this tiny little building inside of this big room and here's where the line really slows down because here is where groups about 10 at a time go into this little building to see the empty tomb. When you first walk in, you're in this outer room with all the gold and decorations with a tiny piece of stone, and they say that that's part of the stone that was rolled away from the tomb. And then you go a little bit deeper through a little bit smaller door, and you're in this tight little space, and they tell you that this, this is where Christ was laid, and this is where he was resurrected. And you find yourself at a dead end. And you then are hurried to turn around and go back out the same door that you had come, back out into the church, and then you keep kind of following the flow of the line to other parts. A couple of days later, we went to another site called the Garden Tomb. Now this location was not in the old city of Jerusalem. It was actually not very far from our hotel. It was a few miles from the old city center. There, again, in a line, we were filed in, and a tour guide gave us a lecture and explained how this location was found in the 1800s and pointed to the outline of a rock cropping that you could see and made his case that that was the true place of Golgotha. Can't you see the skull face there? And here's the tomb where the burial happened. And again, we were in a line waiting to go into the empty tomb through a small doorway in the rock. We entered and we observed a rough hewn sort of platform where a body might have been laid. And we found ourselves again at a dead end. And we turned around and went back out. It's a lot to take in. Right? When you're in a line of people and they're moving you through, you have to move kind of quickly. But I thought, well, I had done it, right? I had been to the place of the cross and the empty tomb not once, but twice. In that moment, I didn't really have much time to think about what it might mean. I was trying to take it all in, what it sounded like, what it looked like, what it smelled like. I also had a camera, and so I was trying to take photos to show people back home and it was after the fact and looking at these photos and reflecting on what it was like to go into the empty tomb not once but twice I began to realize that in both cases I found a dead end with nothing there and I hear the question from our Easter gospel whom are you looking for? You have come to a grave. Whom 
are you looking for? No way, I think I went to the empty tomb for the same reasons that Mary and Peter and the beloved disciple went. I went to find Jesus. And in both places, I found what they did. Nothing but an empty room that made you turn around and go back out. We are right to remember Christ's resurrection. We are right to spend the season of Lent preparing ourselves for this joyous celebration. But my friends, Easter is not the end of the story, but rather it's our new beginning. When Mary turns around and sees the gardener, she does not recognize Jesus. In answer to Jesus' questions about who she's looking for, Mary again repeats the, her fear that the body had been taken. It's not until Jesus calls her by her name, Mary, that she is able to recognize her Lord and teacher and savior and in that moment she grabs him and he says don't hold on to me i'm not done yet Amen. and he gives her an instruction because she's not done yet either she's to go back to the disciples and to tell them that jesus is ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. The gospel tells us that she follows Jesus' instruction. And we hear the beginning of her proclamation with the words of, I have seen the Lord. And the text tells us that she did as Jesus told her to do and tells the disciples the rest of the story. And the rest of the story is so important. Yes, Jesus has defeated sin and death. During his last night with his disciples, when they were together after he had washed their feet, he tells them, I call, no longer call you servants, but friends. Amen. And now, as we celebrate his resurrection, we hear in that morning Easter proclamation that no longer are we just friends, but we are brothers and sisters in Christ and of Christ. God is no longer only Jesus' Father, but is our Father too. Defeating sin and death, Jesus has given us the power to become children of God. One of my favorite images of the resurrection, an icon, these paintings that we make that try to capture the holy comes from our friends in the Eastern Orthodox Church, and it shows Jesus coming up out of the tomb, and at his feet there is a defeated dragon, and the chains and locks of hell are broken, and Jesus' arms are outstretched, and on one side he's got a hold of Adam, and on the other side he's got a hold of Eve. Because when Jesus rose, he didn't just rise by himself, he brought us all up to restore us to where we belong. The resurrection reminds us we are no longer alone, but have been made brothers and sisters and children of the living God, that same God that has sought us throughout history, through Jesus has washed away the separation of sin and death. 
close with this. One of my favorite hymns that normally is sung during Holy Week, Go Down to Dark Gethsemane. I read two verses of it here at our Monday Thursday service. In the Episcopal Church, in our hymnal, we just put the first three verses in there. And they talk about Jesus going to the garden at Gethsemane and praying to God, his Father. And the song tells us from this, let us learn how to pray. And then the next verse talks about Jesus carrying his cross. And the song says, you know, from this, let us learn how to bear the cross. And then the third is about Jesus being crucified. And the song invites us to learn how it is to die. And then... Not in the Episcopal hymnal, but part of the song, there's a, a bonus fourth verse, a secret track on the CD, if you will. And it says this, Early hastened to the tomb where they laid his breathless clay. All is solitude and gloom. Who hath taken him away? Christ is risen. He meets our eyes. Savior, teach us so to rise. Christ is risen, is not the end of our joyful story, but is just a beginning. On this Easter morning, it is the risen Christ that is calling you by name. It is the risen Christ calling you to the family of God, the living God that is inviting you to meet him here and to enter into the joy and love of God. The risen Christ is calling. Savior, teach us so to rise. On this Easter morning, our story is written we will rise. We will rise above sin and death. We will rise above pain and loss. We will rise above hate and injustice. And what we learn from our Savior is that we do not rise alone, but instead we reach our hands out and grab a hold of our brothers and sisters and we lift them up with us just as Christ lifted all of creation from the bonds of sin and death. Amen. We will rise with Christ and when we rise, we rise together again and again and again as brothers and sisters of the living God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia, alleluia. Amen. Hallelujah.